Father, we, we love you, God. We thank you for who you are, God. We thank you for the time to come before you and look into your word. Pray that you'll show us what you have us to know about you. Reveal to us what you would have us to know about ourselves, God. We thank you for this time, God, and for the, even this facility that we've been able to use uh, to come together on Sundays and worship you, God. We thank you for your faithfulness and your favor and uh, us being here, God, and for the, 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 uh, the pleasures and the shelter that uh, this building has brought us, God. We thank you for what you're going to do with us in the future, Lord, as we keep you first in all our decisions. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. amen. All right. Um, so, again, we're talking about salvation, the aspects of salvation. And this, I will say, is probably one of my favorites. I don't know if you can have favorites. Uh, we talked about salvation, but this is one of my favorites, uh, talking about adoption and what that has to do with salvation and our relationship with Christ. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1, our favorite, favorite, favorite book of the Bible. Anybody seen the movie Annie? It's a hard knock life for us. The movie Annie. So in the movie Annie, you have a situation. Nobody saw it but me and, and Ray again, just me and Ray. <laughs> Oh, there we go. All right. That's right. I'm sorry. I'm sure Kelly, Kelly's probably seeing the Broadway musical of Annie or something like that or read the script or something. Anyway, so if you look at Annie or if you've seen the old version with, I don't know her name, but the new version with um, Jamie Foxx and all them people in it, it's a young girl who's an orphan and she's in an orphanage. And the story goes how the lady who was running the orphanage was like a crook lady trying to get money. And eventually, uh, a politician or someone very wealthy came into Annie's life. And once that person came into Annie's life, Annie's life changed, like totally, totally changed. And the movie goes through and talks about uh, everything that happened to her after this um, person came into her life. At the end of the movie, if you remember, uh, some people pretended to be her parents, found out that they weren't. And so what happened was this guy, this very wealthy a uh, very affluent man became her father. And he decided to follow the legal procedures to make Annie his legal daughter. And he did that through a process called um, adoption. Adoption, when it comes to scripture, you have to understand uh, what, what Paul is going to talk about here in Ephesians, and we're going to look at a little bit at Rome and in, uh, in Romans. Think of your condition prior to salvation or before we were saved or someone's condition before salvation. Uh, and, and that's before we talked about salvation being believing and receiving. Salvation is two pieces. First, you have to believe something that Jesus is God, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Uh, believe our condition that we are sinners and then receive him. It's not enough just to believe the facts about Christ, the facts about salvation. Satan believes the facts. The demons believe the facts. But you must receive it. And to receive means to trust in it. That means that I'm giving up all my rights to make my own decision, to stand for my own. And I'm leaning on. I'm trusting. I'm putting my hands in the life and put my decisions in the life of Christ. And so salvation is to believe and to receive. And so our condition before we've done that, try to think about an orphan, helpless, destitute, uh, in a despicable orphanage. Think about a, a dirty, dirty, crummy orphanage. Um, laying down in dirt and filth, being weak and vulnerable. Our sins 
when you compare it to God's holiness, left us hopeless, left us helpless, whether it would be pride or, or lust or greed or selfishness or anger or lying or whatever. It, it, it left us filthy, dirty, stinky, depraved, helpless, hopeless in the sight of God. And there was nothing for us. We were nothing. We were nobody. Nothing that we could have done or did that he would choose us to be his children. Yet, to his glory, to his praise, in our destitute state, Paul said, while we were yet sinning, while we were yet spitting in his face, while we were yet mocking him, Christ died for us. And Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 1, in that current state that we were, what Christ did for us. Ephesians 1 verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for, and here's the topic for today, for adoption. In love, he predestined us for adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace for which he blessed us in the beloved. He predestined us in love for adoption. And so Paul gets into that. We talked about adoption. Adoption, of course, is a legal term. So think about it. In our helpless, orphanage, sinful state that we were in, before the beginning of time, the Bible says that God, in his love, chose us. And in his love, he predestined us for adoption. So adoption is a legal term. It brings some legal connotations with it to adopt someone. The, uh, the actual Greek word is a combination of son and place. And it has the idea as to place as one son, to make one your son. Adoption is not such a word, not a word of relationships per se. It's not like a relationship. It's more of a position. Okay. What I mean by that, it's not talking about more over in, in the Greek. It's not talking about a relationship, but it's talking about a position. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's similar to our word of justification. Remember we talked about justification? Justification, God has declared us righteous. So we still sin sometimes, but God has declared us. And so our position, he declared us righteous. So adoption is a declaration uh, 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 of sons, making someone an adult in the family. And so if we look at uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, it tells us that God chose us in love, in love, he chose us. First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.4 says, for we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. So God chose us in love, brethren, loved by God. In 2 Thessalonians 2.13, it says, but we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord. There's that word again. Because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, based on that, based on us being loved, based on God choosing us, based on us being sanctified by the Holy Spirit, stand firm 
and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace come for your hearts and establish them in every good word, work and word. And so what we read in Ephesians is that before God created the earth, before God created the sun, before God created anything, God chose us. And the word said that he predestined us for adoption. His sons. He said, you know what? I'm going to make Olu my son. I'm going to make Janiah my daughter by adoption before we were even born. When you look at the word predestined back in Ephesians chapter one, he predestined us for adoption. Predestined has the idea of uh, uh, to mark out a plan beforehand. So it refers to God's plan of the ages. Back in the day, if we were traveling somewhere like we go to Virginia all the time to go home, we would take a map. We didn't have phones, cell phones or a GPS system. So we take a literal map. We'll go like a 7-Eleven and buy a map. And the maps are huge. You open them up, it'll be like take up the whole car. And I would take a highlighter or a pencil and we will mark out the path. Okay, we're here. We're going to go here to this interstate, go here to this interstate, cross over to this interstate, and cross over. And I'd be sitting in the back with the big map while Daddy's driving. I'm telling, okay, Daddy, uh, we should be coming across interstate 4325. We're going to turn left. And I'd be watching the signs. So we will map out. That's what predestination has to do. Predestination has to do to map out. But using that map, and I guess you do the same thing with GPS. You kind of type in where you want to go, and then it'll tell you how to take a turn. So I guess I could have used a modern example instead of the 1990s example. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, when you set up a GPS or when you're looking at a map, you have a destination. You have a place you're trying to go. And so I'm predestined. I I'm, I'm have something to set up. I'm marking out because I want to end somewhere. And so when we look in the scriptures, Paul said that he has predestined us. Whenever you predestine something, it has to be toward a purpose. Okay? I'm going home. I'm going to Virginia. Whenever you predestine, it has to be for a purpose. And so Paul says that he, God, has predestined us for the purpose of adoption. So it was his perfect plan from the beginning of time to mark out a plan, a path, for those of us who are, who have believed and received Christ to be adopted as his son. And it was according to his goodwill. You look at that verse. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according, the ESV says, to the purpose of his will. But the King James says, according to the kind intention of his will. I like that. That word kind intention means his good pleasure. God did this for his pleasure. He did not decide, I'm going to make Brenda my daughter because of something Brenda did. He didn't, that wasn't the situation. He didn't look down and say, you know what? He's doing pretty good down there, so I think I like her to be my daughter. No, about says before the beginning of time, he predestined us, chose us for adoption, for his pleasure, because it had everything to do with him. Not anything that I did but only because it pleased him to do so. And what is our response to that? You think about that. What's our response to Christ for God adopting us as sons? Well, our response, Paul says, is here to the praise of his glorious grace. Paul says that think about the situation. You were an orphan, destitute, helpless, hopeless. And God, before the beginning of time, said, I'm going to reach out and predestine 
him, her, to be my son, to be my daughter. And you think Annie's story is exciting to go from living with a bunch of girls, with a drunk uh, orphanage lady, I don't know what you call them, you know, with dirty clothes, rags, to what's the song she sings? I can't believe I got it here. That's not the song. But she sings some songs when she's running around the house and turning flips and stuff. I forgot what the song was. I think I'm going to like it here. Yeah. Think about where she went from. Jaden came up with that instead of, we'll we'll talk about that later. Uh, (laughs) Okay, that's what it is. Okay, we got it. But, But from that destitute place to now her own room with her own bed and an unlimited supply of food, unlimited supply of food in the refrigerator and unlimited clothes and unlimited toys and all these gadgets that she can share with friends. Her situation changed drastically. Much, much more than that, our situation, those of us who believe and receive Jesus Christ, our situation changes drastically because we have been predestined to adoption. And we have become legally the sons and the daughters of God. And how do we participate in that? Well, we said it a couple of times already. Turn with me to John chapter one, verse 12. This is a good verse to uh, if you if you're collecting verses to memorize. This is a great verse to memorize. Take a write it out, put it on your wall. John one twelve. Book of John one twelve. John is talking, and he's talking about Christ. He talks about in the beginning was the word, the word was with God. Then he gets down to verse 11, still talking about Christ. He came into his own, his own people didn't receive him. But verse 12, he says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. When you look at that verse, it says, as many as received, to look at how it's written, it's saying to all those who received, that means received Christ, they received because they first believed. Hence our definition of salvation, to believe and to receive. So all who receive, receive because they believe, not because of their own, but because by the will of God. God came in, and I like the term, infected their depravity with faith. I know that's a lot of words, but think about it. Our depravity, before we were Christ, the Bible talks about the wrath of God was upon us. Uh, Ephesians, Paul talks about how we were dead in the world without Christ. We were deprived. And what God did, he looked down on us and infected our depravity. He injected faith. Ephesians 2 says, for by grace are ye saved through faith. And so from the faith that God gave us, by him, by his will, because of his good pleasure, Once we believe and receive, the Bible says that God has given us the right or the power or the authority. Remember, we're talking about remember adoption is a legal thing. So you the right, the power or the authority to become the son of God. Turn me to Romans chapter eight. So when you think about this. And this might mess you up a little bit. Adoption in the Bible times is. Totally different than it was today. Okay, so remember the Bible time, especially when this was written. Paul wrote Romans uh, 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 during the time where you had the Jews who had their own kind of system. You had the Romans who was in charge of everybody running the world. And then you had kind of this Greek 
a, a, a Greek system that was still hanging around before Rome took over. And so the Greeks were kind of the intelligent people. The Romans were the power and strong people. And the Jews were this religious people. And so you had this hoshmash of people trying to live together. You might have heard the term Greco-Roman because you got like the Romans who were running things, but they still kept a lot of the Greek wisdom and all that stuff going on. So this is the situation we're going in. When you look about the term adoption, the Jews really didn't have that thing going on. The Jews didn't have adoption. okay? Because adoption, again, is a legal situation. And so what adoption was in the Romans world, let's say I was a man, I was running my house, head of the house, and I didn't have any children. Okay? And I own like seven houses, 15,000 other very important things or whatever. And so I couldn't think of anything. And so I wanted somebody to take care of my stuff when I left or wanted to pass my wealth to someone else as an inheritance, but I didn't have any children. And so what I would do is I would go out and I find someone and says, hey, uh, this guy here, how you doing, sir? I'm going to put, give you all my stuff when I die. And I'm going to adopt you. And what adoption does in the biblical times in the Roman world was to now los becomes my heir. Okay? That means that everything that I have that I own will go to los. And the situation is that, how old are you? 13. 13. Perfect. He's 13. So right now, he wouldn't get all this stuff. I would adopt him, okay, and he would be, you know, my family, whatever, whatever. But once he turned the age of 14, at the age of 14, he now becomes legally adopted. And that means that now I have, he has legally become my son at the age of 14. It's the age of maturity back in the Roman world. Okay? And so at that point in time, all my stuff is his stuff. Just like that. So I said the Jews didn't have that because remember the Jews had a term called kinsman redeemer. Y'all remember we talked about that a little bit? Remember the story of Ruth? So Ruth and Naomi, Ruth, Naomi, all their, all their husbands died and Ruth came back to, to Jerusalem or whatever, Israel. And she needed somebody to keep the family line going. And she sent Ruth to this guy called Boaz's house because Boaz was her husband's cousin or something. And so they had a system called the Kinsman Redeemer. Okay, so what would happen if we would switch this to, to now terms, if something were to happen to me and I die, Molly would have to marry Esau. <laughs> That's what would happen in Bible times, okay? Especially if Jaden wasn't born. If Jaden was born and we just had Janiah and Layla, I die, Molly would have to marry Esau. Esau would have to, have to, he would be forced to marry Molly, unless he already had a wife, but he would be forced to marry Molly to have a son. That's how the Jews worked at a kinsman-redeemer situation. And so this adoption thing, it wasn't really for, uh, it was, it was kind of like what the Romans era, and remember what Paul is writing to, he's writing this to the church in Rome. And so they understood exactly what he was talking about. Uh, I had a definition for this, um, Adoption in Paul's time uh, was the process, the process of legal adoption. Uh, the chosen heir became entitled, so Los will be entitled to not only all my property, but to the civil status, to the burdens, as well as the rights of the adopter. So what would happen, it, it was as, oh, here we go, became as if it were his other self, one with him. And so Los would in fact 
be me. That's what adoption is. Well, if I were to adopt Lowe's, then all my civil, not only my property, but my civil status, wherever I was in the community, any burdens that I had would become his. Any rights that I have become his rights. Pretty much we will become one. What it did was allow the man to create an heir from outside his family. Now, there's a couple of reasons for that. I won't get really deep into the reasons, but the Romans were a very, very religious people. Not with our God, but with their own gods. Remember the Romans' gods, Zeus and all them kind of people? Jupiter, actually, Jupiter and all those. And because the Romans were a very religious family, the head of the home was the priest of that home. And he was responsible to talk to all the gods and to worship all the gods so everybody would be good. And so if you ever were a man, did not have another priest in the home or a son, then that was a big deal in the Romans' world. And so what they said, hey, we can't worship the gods because I don't have a son to keep my family going, favored with the gods. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to adopt someone to be my son. And that's what that situation was, to make the family a family. So the adoption, the purpose of it was to do that. So the benefits of adoption was the person who was adopted, they get a new identity. So think about this. The adopted person gets a new identity identity. So all their old obligations would be wiped away. So if Los owes somebody $80 billion, once I adopt Los, everything he owes to someone, wiped away. All his debts were taken away. They were wiped out. And new obligation would be assumed. And so from the standpoint, Los and I, because I adopted him, would be the same person. It's a legal situation. Not only that, the inheritance. Now, in today's time, uh, uh, all that I have, for instance, it's not a lot, but I got a, I got a guitar. I've got, a, uh, got an MP3, make some beats. Uh, I got a DJ turntable set, got a couple speakers. Um, uh, what else? That's it. That's pretty much all I have. So all I have, once I die here in modern times, if I die, my possessions or my inheritance will go to Jaden. But that only happens after I, what? Die. And so death is what created him to be able to get the inheritance. Not in Paul's day. In Paul's day, it wasn't death. It was while he was, while I'm still alive, once I adopt Los, he then, once that his status changed to adopt it, he then is allowed to have all the stuff. Matter of fact, everything I own is also his at that same time. That was biblical time adoption. So what's the significance of that biblically? Paul said, and I'll read that. Look with me in Romans chapter 8. Uh, I'll start at verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body and put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. There it is. As sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs and if heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. 
Verse 15 says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. And so what Paul is saying, talking to the Roman church, the church in Rome, so he knew all about what adoption meant. Paul says that you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. So when they read this, the church in Rome, they immediately knew what all that meant. That meant that, can we go back to that definition of, uh, of, 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 uh, of, of adoption? When they read this, they immediately knew what Paul was talking about. When Paul said you have speed, spirit, uh, received the spirit of adoption, they knew that immediately that their civil status had changed spiritually. So from whoever they were before time, they could have been a liar. They could have been a nobody. They might not have a father. They might not know who their father was. They might not know who their mother was. Their father could have been a drunkard. Their mother could be a no good person. They could come from a terrible family. They could be destitute and just evil and just, 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 just bad. But they knew when Paul said we received the spirit of adoption, that means that their civil status had changed. They now become from whatever they were, the sons or daughters of the creator of the universe. Their civil status has changed. They also, turn with me to uh, uh, Revelations, or, or Miami can just put it up. In Revelations chapter 1, verse 6, we're talking about the adoption mean, where your civil status has changed. Well, what, what, how does my status change once I believe and receive? Well, in Revelations chapter 1, verse 6, John writes, uh, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us kings and priests. To God the Father. We go from wherever we were, whoever we were, whoever our parents were, whoever our grandparents were. Our civil status changed once we are adopted to kings and priests. God becomes our father. If you look at it also, it says that our burdens change. And we're going to get back to that later. Because what happens was, because I'm adopted, not only do you get all the stuff I got, anything that I owe, any of my burdens also become your burdens. And so Paul says in 8.17, back in Romans, if children and heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we might be glorified in him. We also participate in Christ's suffering. And we'll get back to that a little later. Also, according to the definition, it says that our rights change. You might not have been able to do some things beforehand. You might not have had the right or the power or authority to do different things. But once you have believed and received, Paul says, the spirit of adoption, meaning that my rights, not only my civil status, my burdens, but the rights of my adopter. So who adopted me? God the Father. So that means that all the rights that God the Father has are now mine. Turn to me. We talked about, we already read John 1.12. But as many receive him, the many believe in the name, he has given the rights or the authority to become the child of God. Revelations 24, verse 14. I'll turn there. Y'all can look on the screen or turn there with me. Revelations, um, that can't be 24, 14, because there is no 24. Revelations 22, 14. Sorry about that, ma'am. Revelations, Revelations 22, 14, it says, blessed are those who wash their robes. Has the idea of cleansing. So that they may have the right to the tree of life. 
that they may enter the city by the gates. There are some rights now that we have because of our father who has adopted us. Not only that, we get a new identity. My identity changed. Who I am actually changes because of adoption. Who my father is changes because of adoption. Who I am changes because of adoption. We get a new identity. First John chapter 3. This is, this is some good stuff here. First John, there's a lot of good stuff in First John. Hebrews, James, First Peter, Second Peter, First John. First John chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. I would love to go back to 2, but it's too much. I can't read the whole book. First John 3, 1 says, see what kind of love the Father, there's a term again, has given to us. That we should be called the who? Children, Children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has yet not appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. uh, John says that we are God's children now, and because of that, we shall be like him. Think about that for one second. Think about your thoughts right now. Think about the last bad thing you thought of. Think about the last bad thing you did. Think about that time you really jacked up, you really messed up. Think about how easy it was, how hard it was to do so. Because I believed and received, because of the spirit of adoption, that legal declaration, my identity has changed. John says that I will be like God, like the Father. So my thoughts will be like his thoughts. I now have that right. I now have that authority. So I don't have to act like I act sometimes. I don't have to jack up when I jack up sometimes. Why? Because Paul says that I am a son of God. I'm a child of God. And though we don't appear to be right now, when he does appear, we shall be like him. My identity, who I am, changes because of adoption. And of course, there's the inheritance. There's the inheritance. Like I told Jaden, and I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong tax bracket. I don't have a lot to give you, to leave you, my son. But the Bible says that we have a God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And that doesn't necessarily mean that God has a farm on a thousand hills. That's a terminology in old Eastern world to mean that Everything. A cattle on a thousand hills means that all you could ever imagine, that's what God owns. And because God, the spirit of adoption, Romans 8, said now that I have an inheritance from somebody who does have all the cattle on a thousand hills. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, Paul talks about that in uh, the inheritance that we have in him, talking about in Christ. This again, this only applies, and, and I want to make sure everybody understands this. This only applies to those of us who are in Christ. Those of us who have believed and received. Not just those who believe, because believing is just not enough. You have to believe and receive. You have to trust in God. You have to personally put your trust in him. And so Paul says, 
in him, those who have been adopted, those who have been chosen, those who are predestined to adoption, in him we have attained, obtained an inheritance, having been, there's our word again, predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him also, when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed, there's that word again, him, we were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the, one of my favorite words in the Bible, the guarantee, the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Paul says in him we have attained an inheritance, and our inheritance is from God the Father. Not only the inheritance, we have, he has given us his Holy Spirit. Paul said in Romans 2, the spirit of adoption, giving us our Holy Spirit, who is our promise. He is our guarantee that I put my trust and my faith in Christ. And the Holy Spirit is my guarantee that God will fulfill his promise and I will receive the inheritance until I actually uh, uh, receive it. I've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. That's part of my inheritance. First Peter 1, 4. Peter talks about the inheritance either. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, I'll read 3 as you pull it up. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. So we're talking about people who are born again, regenerated, into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to, and verse 4, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation to be revealed in the last time. And I like verse 6 says, and in this you rejoice. Point Peter said that we can rejoice because of the inheritance that we receive in Christ. And this inheritance, unlike my DJ equipment and my MP3 and my bass guitar, this inheritance, the Bible says, will not fade. It will not be defiled, and it is kept, reserved, guarded, locked in heaven for you. These are the benefits of believing and receiving. We have been adopted, a legal transition. God has declared us to be a son, declared us to be his daughter, and all the good stuff, our rights have changed, our civil status have changed. Our, our, our who we are, my identity has changed, and I received an inheritance based on that. Back in Romans chapter 8, adoption also brings, and here's the kind of relationship part of it. Adoption also brings kind of an intimacy with the Father. Verse 15, Romans 8, 15, Paul says, For you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And we don't say the word Abba, Father anymore, but Abba was a Greek term that simply means daddy. Anybody, what you call the daddy? You call your daddy daddy, dad, pops, what you call it? Pops, papa, what else we got? Poppy? Father? I like that. A lot of respect. Pastor Bolden, what? Master? Daddy? Gregorio? That is what you call your father. Yeah, that's disrespectful. <laughs> But the word Abba, Father, has the idea of saying, Daddy, Daddy. That's the first time in the scripture you always see Father, Father, Father. 
but Abba Father breaks it down to Daddy. What Paul was saying here is that there is a relationship, a deep, affectional, personal, intimate, authentic experience of fatherly love. You think about Father, Father's Day is coming up, and I can speak from experience because I had a father, I have a father. There's something special about a father's. You know, children act differently around their father than they act around their mama. You might do some stuff around mama or say some stuff around mama, but around daddy, you don't do some things and you don't say some things. And, and, and there's a reason for that. I, I really don't know the depth of it, but it's something, <laughs> it's something about daddy. It's something about the daddy that's around when daddy's around. Fathers have a special and specific role in the relationship. The structure, how God set it up. That's why God said that it has to be a father and a mother. Okay, there's a reason God set that up because the father brings a certain special thing that only a father can bring, and the mother brings a certain special thing that only a mother can bring. And both of those entities, father, mother, daddy, mama, must be in the home so that the child will be raised as they should be. Now, the world wants to switch that up, give you different ideas, but that's what God said. But it's something about daddies. Something special about daddies. Uh, 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 and, and you think about the relationship. I don't know what your relationship was with your father. But you think about the relationship of our father, God, since we've been adopted. Paul says that in it we cry, Abba, Father. That term cry has the idea. It's the, the cry is just as important as the Abba, as the daddy part. Because the cry gives that a personal affection. Okay, that emotional connection with the father that he has with us, that he cares for us. Galatians chapter 3, verse, uh, uh, verse 26. And if you think about it, Galatians 3, 6 says, So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might uh, be justified. I think I'm reading the wrong verse. 326. There we go. For in Christ Jesus, you all are sons of God through faith. Think about that. The almighty, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-wise, all-loving creator of heaven and earth is my daddy. Anything about daddy? You know, some, one thing about daddy is different is sometimes, especially these little girls, they can get away with stuff with daddy and they can't with mama. I know my sister sure did. My goodness. I, I was sitting there looking at him like, really? You, you falling for that? You, you really falling for that because the daddy has a special affection that he wants to take care or to protect or provide for their family. And when you think about that. God is our father. Bible says we should we can go boldly to the throne of grace. Matter of fact, that's another right that we have because it's adoption. We have a right to enter into the holies of holies and we can walk right up to our godly heavenly father and ask him. Jesus even said it. Who if their son asked for a, 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 a bread? Which father would give them a stone? Or if, if, if somebody asked for a fish or some food, which father would give them a poisonous snake? And he said, just like your heavenly father, if you ask in his name, he will give you what you need. And that wasn't a situation where whatever you ask, he'd give it to you. Notice, what the person was asking for was things that they needed, bread and food. And, Paul, and Jesus said, if you ask for what you need, God will give you what you need. Why? Because he's a loving father. Why? Because he's our Abba father. And we can cry. We can emotionally go to him and say, Father, I don't, my background is different. I come from a, poor, a terrible family. I come from some terrible things I've done. I didn't make all the right decisions, but thank you for 
adopting me. Thank you for legally declaring me your son and your daughter. And thank you for all the inheritance and my civil status changing, my identity changing because of that that you did for me. There's so many benefits that come along with us being adopted. Here in this portion of scripture, you've got it back in, uh, 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 well, we're in the Galatians. Look one page over Galatians chapter one. I'm sorry, Galatians chapter four, verse seven. Galatians four, seven says, uh, as a matter of fact, I'll read six because it's Paul. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, there's that word again, Abba, Father, verse seven. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. And Paul goes on in Galatians to, uh, 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 and I, I skipped, I just read the last part. But if you look at that first part, he talks about all the things that we have because of adoption. We have the Holy Spirit. Paul says it has no fear. Remember it said in Romans chapter 8, he has not given us a spirit of fear. When you were little, and Molly tells a story of, of, of uh, uh, um, well, there's a story. About a, you think about a little kid and they're in trouble or somebody's out to get them or, or someone bigger is after them. Then they go get their daddy. I'm going to go get my daddy. And they come back with their daddy. Everything changes because daddy's here. You're a little bit bolder when daddy's in the room because you know who got your back. Daddy got your back. And what happens is because of that, Paul says, we don't have the spirit of fear. You don't have to fear now, no matter what comes in your life, no matter what situation happens. We don't have to fear. Why? Because I got my daddy with me. And oh, by the way, my daddy is Jehovah. My daddy is Elohim. My daddy is El Shaddai. My daddy is Jehovah Jireh. My daddy is Jehovah Raha. My daddy is the almighty Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And I'm his son and you're his daughter. So when fear comes, when things come to try to hurt us or trip us up, remember who we are, who I am. I've been adopted by the Alpha and Omega, and so I have no fear. One of the other reasons why I really like adoption is because of the, the family relationship and the security that I have, because adoption in the Roman world and adoption in the biblical world is permanent. You know, I think about it. You know, my daddy's name is Luther and Velma, and I'm Luther and Velma's son. Luther's my father, Velma's my mother, and there is nothing that I can do or anybody can do to change that. Nothing. No matter what I do, no matter what I say, Luther Bolin will always be my father and Velma Bolin will always be my mother because I am their child. And we have security there because we have been adopted. Also, because I'm adopted and mom's adopted and Ray's adopted and everyone else is adopted, we are now what? Sisters and brothers. And that comes to the relationship with the church. We all have the same father. And so that brother-sister relationship that you might not have had or that you have, we have it here now because of that. And then the writer of Hebrews talks about discipline. Because of we have adopted our sons, we have uh, received discipline. And he talks about, I won't turn there, but in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, which father won't discipline their son? And because of that, we have discipline. And when we read that verse, we always think about punishment. But in, in, in the Bible days, that term discipline was broad. It means discipline describes any type of training. So if it was training that was to teach you or to instruct you or to educate you or to nurture you, that was that word discipline. Now, it also included any type of training that was used to correct or to punish you. 
But it was all wrapped up into that. And because of God the Father, because of his love for us, he will discipline me. He will help me, guide me, teach me, train me, instruct me. And when I jack up, when I mess up, he will correct me or punish me. Therefore, Romans 8. So then, I'm going to read verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. Because of that, and I tell my children this, remember what your name is. I don't know if your parents ever told you that. Remember, you were bolden. When you walk out this house, you were bolden. That means you're carrying that bolden name with you. So act like a bolden. That means act like I'm there with you no matter where you go because you're my son and you carry my name with you wherever you go. Because God has adopted us, I will say the scripture says the same thing. Act like your name. Act like your daddy. Know who your daddy is. Remember who your daddy is. Remember that we are children of God. And so when you're in the world, when you're moving, when you're talking, remember, you know what? I do want to go upside his head and slap them, but I can't because of who my daddy is. I do want to let them know something in a certain way, but I won't because of who my daddy is. You know, I do want to go over there and do that, but I won't because of what my name is. I am a son of God. And so Paul said, live according to a spirit, not according to the flesh. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Every morning you wake up, plug yourself into the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit be that energy that you plug yourself into like a wall socket to give you the energy to do what you need to do. And do not plug yourself into the flesh. You got that choice. Remember who your father is. And that's why Paul says in Romans 8, put to death the deeds of the body. Unplug yourself from the flesh and plug yourself into spirit each moment. We have been adopted. Let's remember who we are. Thank God for the position that we're in and live accordingly. God, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your adoption. We thank you for the spirit of adoption, not the spirit of fear that you have given us, God. I pray, God, that we will live our lives representing who our father is, who our daddy is, God. Pray, God, that you'll help us each day plug ourselves into the Holy Spirit. For our thoughts, desires, and actions and words will all be energized from the Holy Spirit and not from our flesh, not from this sinful world state, God. God, we thank you for the position that you've put us in. We thank you for our new identity. We thank you for our new civil status. We thank you for the inheritance that you've given us because of your salvation, God. And I pray they will remember our name and live like our name. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. All right. Any uh, prayer requests from anybody? Oh, somebody, you doing prayer requests? I'm sorry, I'm, I shouldn't be doing this. Who's doing prayer requests? Bolden's doing prayer requests. Amen.